It's um, beyond 530. I'm going to call the um, November 7th Planning Commission meeting to order. We do have a quorum uh, tonight. Um, uh, the first item of business is uh, public comment. I, there, I see no individuals uh, here to comment other than for the um, items under public hearing. Uh, the next item is communications, disclosures, and recusals. Are any members um, wishing to recuse himself? Uh, Commissioner Shepard. Uh, disclosure on item 20. I'm an employee of uh, MATC, um, but I don't think that will be a problem. In this okay. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Berger. I'm going to be recusing myself on item 15, please. Thank you. Uh, moving on to minutes of the October 17th meeting. Um, are there any uh, changes? Um, Commissioner O. Uh, minor word change on page nine under announcements. It states that can open states we. I think that should be he. Would not be there. Okay. We'll correct um, those minutes. And again, we have a motion by Commissioner Rui. Do we have a second? A second by uh, Commissioner Oath uh, to approve the minutes as amended. All those in favor? Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Next item of business is the uh, schedule of meetings. Uh, the next regular meetings will be November 21st and uh, December 12th. Uh, we also have a special meeting on the conference of plan update on Monday, November 28th at uh, 5 to 7 at the uh, City County building here. Um, next, and I will be absent at the November 21st meeting just to let the commissioners know. Moving on to uh, special items of business. Item number one is Legistar 44961, Planning Division staff presentation on the Urban Footprint Project. Uh, who will be presenting this item? Okay, Mr. Mr. Zellers, uh, would you uh, like to present this item? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, so yes, I'm Ben Zellers with the Planning Department here to present an urban footprint update. Um, for some of you, it might be an urban footprint introduction. Um, this is a department or a project in the Planning Department that uh, we've been working on for the past almost year and a half now. Um, in, in general, it's a growth scenario modeling tool. Um, it's a, essentially a computer modeling system um, that will allow us to predict the impacts of different styles of growth within the city of Madison, actually throughout Dane County. Um, from very suburban development, uh, as you can see on your left, through on through very urban styles of development, uh, downtown style development, as you can see on your right. And this is done through six different modules, uh, first one being public health. And with that, we look at active transportation and related health conditions. 
So in other words, how place can impact people and their health. The second module is transportation. Um, for that module, we look at mode split and vehicle miles traveled. Mode split being um, split between pedestrians versus bicyclists versus transit and um, you know, car users as well. A third module is greenhouse gas emissions due to transportation and energy generation. Fourth module is energy and water use. Fifth module is land consumption, and this is looked at in terms of rural farmland uh, and how that transitions to urban development, and also how much development occurs as redevelopment within uh, existing urban areas. The sixth module looks at fiscal impacts, and this looks at both municipal fiscal impacts, so impacts from roads, utilities, uh, fire departments, uh, fire protection, and then household fiscal impacts as well, so impacts on uh, people's expenditures for uh, transportation, energy, and water. So urban footprint uh, at its uh, base is a, at its heart is a map-based tool. Um, so we have generated a base canvas of existing conditions. Existing conditions include things like uh, number of household units, uh, density, population density, employment density, the transportation network, a whole host of existing condition metrics um, that we've mapped throughout Madison and throughout Dane County. And now that we have that done, we can start to uh, go in and generate uh, change scenarios. So we do that by mapping future land use scenarios, uh, future transportation scenarios, and then also potentially looking at changes to policy and technology as well. Once we've done that, we can go back and overlay those changes on the base conditions, merge those together to generate a future scenario. After we have a series of future scenarios, we can perform comparative analysis on those dif different scenarios to see how they vary from those uh, six different modules that I mentioned. So I mentioned Urban Footprint is a map-based tool. This is an example actually from another community in California that has used Urban Footprint where they map the existing conditions. Um, in this case, and we'll be doing something similar using uh, place templates. And then they went in and in association with the planned transit investment that they had, as you can kind of see in green there on the screen, um, with some stations marked um, with pink dots. Um, in association with that transit investment, they mapped anticipated changes to land use around that transit investment, so increasing employment and residential densities around that transit investment. Then they merged that change with existing conditions to create a future scenario. And this can be done any number of times, so they could have varying densities associated with this transit investment uh, to determine what the impacts and outcomes from the, those changes in land use might be and those changes in the transportation network. So one broad way to look at urban footprint is to take a look through different uh, broad land development categories. And so for our instance in Madison Dane County, we've separated these uh, land categories into three overarching um, categories shown here, urban, broadly speaking, the downtown, compact walkable development um, that generally includes Areas on the isthmus and 
in our, in our neighborhoods close to downtown, as well as some new development that's on the outskirts, um, what might commonly be referred to as traditional neighborhood development, like Grandview Commons. And then standard suburban development, um, which includes some other peripheral neighborhoods that were developed at uh, lower densities and with more segregated uses in terms of residential and commercial. So in separating these categories, we separate them by three major metrics, looking at dwelling units per acre, employment per acre, and then intersection density per square mile. Of course, the dwelling units per acre and employment per acre is a measure of uh, density of those, and then intersections per square mile is a metric that considers walkability and connectivity. And so you can see the metrics across those three broad categories obviously decreasing as you move into standard suburban development. So this provides a, a way to look at changes on these three broad categories, easy way to summarize changes. So if we map those three broad categories, you can see right now these are existing conditions um, within the central Dane County area. Most of the compact walkable, which is shown in blue, is on the isthmus and spreading out a little ways from the isthmus. Urban, which is red, is concentrated on the isthmus, and then most of the other uh, urban development is shown in white um, in the outlying areas of Madison and on into the suburbs as well. So just as an example, if we look at um, some metrics, present-day metrics associated with these land development categories, we can start to see some of the differences in between these three categories. If we look at present-day model outcomes, for driving across these three different areas, we can see that urban households only drive about 3,200 miles per year. Um, for Madison, this is heavily impacted by the fact that we have a high student population in those mapped urban areas right now. But if we move to compact walkable, it's about 12,000 miles per household per year. Standard suburban development right now drives about 19,000 miles per household per year. And we can make these comparisons across other metrics as well. Walking decreases pretty significantly from urban-style development, and this is per person per day, to standard suburban development. Residential water use uh, more than doubles from urban households to suburban households. Residential CO2 generation doubles from uh, urban to standard suburban. And then household cost. Um, goes up more than uh, four times, basically, um, from urban-style development to standard suburban-style development. I mean, this is attributable, household costs attributable to transportation, building energy, and building water use. Um, it's metric like this especially uh, comes into play when you're talking about affordable housing. Um, if you're just talking about rent, not all of these things get in necessarily included and rolled into that. So in order to get the full picture for affordable housing, you need to take these other things into consideration. So housing, if the rent is kept the same, is actually much more affordable in urban or standard or compact walkable style development. Then we can also make comparisons across health outcomes related to these land development categories. Again, this is present day and in this instance for Dane County. Um, and you can see that health outcomes are far better for urban-style development uh, living in these urban areas as compared to suburban-style development um, across all the various metrics that are shown here. So just as an example, um, 
incidences of, in adults of high blood pressure more than doubles um, when you're looking at urban development versus standard suburban development. So that is a little bit about present day conditions and what urban footprint is. Urban footprint really though is about generating uh, future scenarios for comparison. So right now we've generated four countywide test scenarios. Um, the first two, scenario one and scenario two, are broadly based on existing adopted plans throughout Dane County. So we not only looked at our adopted plan for City of Madison, but also considered other adopted plans for other communities in generating scenarios one and two. Scenario one follows a suburban trend, um, which generally means more single family, more greenfield development, generally the trend that we followed from 2010. Scenario two has enhanced redevelopment. More of the development that we've been seeing since 2010 uh, means more multifamily development and more redevelopment. There's a variant on scenario two. Scenario 2A looks at what would happen if there is a very large preference towards locating housing and employment around high quality transit lines. And scenario three looks at concentrated redevelopment. Um, this generally follows the Madison in Motion a scenario that was created to see what would happen if we had concentrated transit-oriented redevelopment. I should mention all three, of the, or all four of these test scenarios keep the population, employment, and household growth the same. So the scenarios are really about comparing where that growth goes and at what density it occurs, and, and what happens based off of that. Not um, comparing different um, levels of population growth, but that can be done in the future as well. So this is a look at through the lens of those three land development categories that I mentioned of scenario one. Um, you can kind of see some, in, pull up the cursor, you can kind of see peripheral growth occurring and compact walkable style development. And that's largely in response to our adopted neighborhood development plans, which do encourage compact walkable growth. I mean, you can see a little bit of expansion of the uh, urban as some redevelopment occurs in the core and a little bit of compact walkable expansion as some other redevelopment occurs. We start to look at scenario two. This adds in the um, planned BRT lines as they stand today. Um, and you can see some uh, redevelopment occurring along these BRT lines in, that, in terms of that compact walkable style development. A little bit more red urban style uh, spreading out along the near west side and some more redevelopment occurring along the BRT line to the uh, along East Washington Avenue corridor. Scenario 2A greatly concentrates that, shows more redevelopment along that BRT line, less peripheral development, a little bit more of the urban style in the core. And then scenario 3 um, includes extensions to the BRT lines that are as yet really unplanned, just thrown in here hypothetically as, as part of that test scenario development. And those extensions are shown in pink. Um, and then there are some very much unplanned as of yet uh, commuter rail lines shown in the purple. Um, and this is just to kind of test the limits of scenario development and see how scenario development responds to these different types of transit investments. So we can then kind of transition a little bit into some more examples of uh, making comparisons based on these different test scenarios. The first comparison is about land consumption. So land consumption, again, looks at how much land transitions from 
uh, rural farmland to urban or suburban style development. And these three tests, or four, I should say, four test scenarios um, have different, different metrics, uh, different results for land consumption. Scenario one, that traditional suburban scenario for the city of Madison through 2050 would consume about 4,600 acres of rural farmlands for additional development. Scenario two with that BRT line, a little bit more redevelopment, consumes 3,900 acres. Scenario three, about 2,500 acres. Then scenario 2A, which I would say is probably pretty unrealistic, has less than a, a square mile of additional development associated with that due to the very high preference that's shown in that scenario for redevelopment and close proximity to high quality transit. <coughs> Another example of making comparisons across metrics for these future results is looking at passenger vehicle miles traveled per household in 2050, and this is for the city of Madison. Well, you can see in 2015, we have about 12,400 miles per household uh, driven per year. If we look at scenario one, that doesn't change very much, um, virtually no change at all. If we look at scenario two, it goes down about 4% per household. Scenario 2A goes down about 14% per household, um, both in response to adding that BRT line and then also to uh, clustering uh, much denser uses in a much smaller area. And then scenario three with that TOD focus goes down by almost 10% in terms of VMT per household. Um, so you can start to see the results of uh, densification, redevelopment, uh, clustering development along transit lines. And that results in these reductions in VMT. But due to predicted population growth, we would still see an increase in the daily vehicle miles traveled for the city as, as this model shows. Um, even with scenario 2A, scenario 3, we increase 14 to 16% in terms of the total VMT to, incre to increase population. Another metric is walking. Um, we can see mapped uh, daily walking minutes per capita, very concentrated in terms of high, high walking in the isthmus and downtown areas and along campus, and the blues and dark blues. Then we can take a look at if we made all those transit investments that I, made, that I showed in scenario three, how that would interact with uh, redevelopment and with those, those transit lines to really spread walking out along those transit lines into the redevelopment areas along Mineral Point Road and East Washington Avenue. And all that results in an increase in 38% in, of 38% in walking minutes per capita according to the, these predicted results from the urban footprint modeling. So Urban Footprint um, is a grant-funded project, and as part of that grant, we had included uh, three TOD areas to um, use Urban Footprint within to make some choices as far as uh, TOD scale planning. Um, the three areas that were outlined in that grant, um, this is a federal TIGER grant-funded project, are uh, kind of the Mineral Point Road West Town Mall area, South Park Street area, on out to Lion Energy Center, and then East Washington Avenue to East Town Mall. And some of the discussion within the department is to potentially do these uh, as kind of detailed case study areas in association with the comprehensive plan update. So kind of an illustration of what might be possible in those areas as part of the comp plan update. 
It's also some opportunity to bring some of these metrics and some of these results to public discussions and public participation um, as part of the comprehensive plan update to um, kind of facilitate discussion and let people know how some of their choices and so how some of the comp plan choices can impact future outcomes and uh, future development in, in the city of Madison. And finally, there's also the potential for regional collaboration. Um, urban footprint can be a way to look at growth across regional boundaries, and we've actually already started discussions with Capital Area Regional Planning Commission and how they might be able to use urban footprint as part of their Greater Madison Vision uh, land use planning, regional land use planning project that they're going to be undertaking next year. So. It's a lot of information in 15 minutes. I had to try to compress a pretty big project into a small period of time. Um, I don't know if there are any questions right now. I did have uh, an additional handout uh, printout that you can take with you and uh, review at your leisure. Um, this will also be posted to Legistar, both the handout and the uh, PowerPoint slides. Um, so certainly feel free to contact me if you have any questions at a later date as well. Are there any questions for Mr. Zellers? Yes, uh, Commissioner Carter. Nothing's worse than someone coming in late and having questions. <laughs> but one of the things that I wanted to ask you is that, is there a possibility that this can be used to create a research triangle like um, South Carolina? Is it South Carolina or North Carolina? North Carolina. North Carolina? Um, well, the, I think the, really, yeah, I mean, I think really the decision to move forward with something like a research triangle development would really be a yeah. land use decision. This uh, land use policy decision, um, this really, though, could help illustrate what some of the impacts might be as far as if there was a concentration of employment in terms of like a research park in a certain area of the city. What would happen if we had 10,000 new jobs in that area? Um, if those jobs and that development took this form versus this form, what would that do? Um, if we expanded a transit line to that area to serve that new research park, uh, research triangle type development, how would that impact transit and commuting to that area? So it would really be um, more about kind of illustrating the results of that type of land use decision um, as opposed to Bringing um, in other counties to make a... Right. Well, I mean, it's the, right now, Urban Footprint is modeled. Um, the, the base conditions are uh, created for Dane County as a whole. Um, so if we, if we wanted to work with other counties, it would be a pretty significant undertaking to add them to the base conditions. Um, we'd have to go out and gather um, right. existing land use maps, uh, transportation networks, road networks, and all that kind of stuff to so expand it beyond Dane County. For boundaries. now, we're looking at Dane County and possibly doing something there. Right. So uh, for, for our use, it was created under uh, a grant that was given to the city. So for our use, it will be at least initially used for those three TOD station areas and then also potentially in conjunction with the comprehensive plan update. Regionally, we're working with CARPC um, okay. to, to look at how it can be used regionally. And then when you talked about the three areas, it was Park Street, mm -hmm. um, Mineral Point Road, what was the other one? Uh, East Town Mall, East Washington Avenue. Okay. Are you looking at connecting those 
at all or just what's going on in that area? Well, the reason uh, those three areas were picked in conjunction with this federal grant, the grant is a TIGER grant. It's a transportation-related grant. Right. Um, so it's closely tied in with uh, the Plan BRT corridor and BRT oh, investments. Okay. And so because the BR Plan BRT lines extend to those areas, um, it really goes hand-in-hand -hand with that BRT investment. And those three areas also have a fairly high um, expectation or maybe capacity for making redevelopment investments. Um, and so uh, those, that's why those three areas were chosen okay, for a variety of reasons. Any other questions? Uh, seeing none. Thank you, Mr. Sowers. Okay. Thank you. Uh, we'll now move on to routine business. Um, we have several items under routine business. Uh, item uh, number two, Legislature 44736, is authorizing the mayor and the city clerk to execute a lease with Chandler Properties, LLC, allowing for the use of uh, the city-owned parcel located at 1430 East Washington Avenue for park, uh, parking purposes. And I'll just go through all the um, uh, routine business items so that we can consider them at, in, in one shot here. Uh, the item number three is Legistar 44738. Uh, it's a substitute authorizing the execution of a uh, dedication agreement uh, between the city of Madison and Lloyd and Joanne uh, Bitzer uh, pertaining to the dedication of 8.288 acres of vacant land for conservancy, conservation park purposes located at 3020 Shady Oak Lane in the town of Verona. Item number four is Legislature 44836 authorizing the execution of a uh, declaration of easement for public and private utility purposes over a portion of Thousand Oak Park located at 850 South Point Road. Uh, item number five, uh, Legislature 44913 uh, is amending um, Residential 16-00759 to update the relocation order map and the schedule of land required for the construction and maintenance of an improvements for a public street as part of uh, the 8th edition to Black Hawk subdivision. Uh, item number 6 is Legislature 44915 authorizing the execution of a First Amendment to the lease uh, to uh, Mendota Rowing, a Rowing Club uh, for the leased premises, including the Hoover Boathouse located at 622 East Gorham Street. Item number seven, Legislature 44917, authorizing the execution of a purchase and sales agreement between the City of Madison and Thomas uh, Welch and Carol Welch for the purchase of a parcel located at 3629 Marsh Road. And item number eight, Legislature 44930, determining the public purpose and necessity and adopting the relocation order for the acquisition of land interest required for the construction and maintenance of a new public storm sewer relief pipe within the parcels located at uh, 2402 South Park Street and 802 uh, Metro site um, 
within within the city of Madison. Those are the routine business items. Uh, do we have a motion? Motion by Commissioner Rui. Do we have a second? Second by Commissioner Berger. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Those opposed? Motion carries. We will now uh, proceed with the uh, public hearing items. We have several items on the consent agenda uh, tonight. And uh, the, the consent agenda are those items uh, where uh, st staff believes that the application has had sufficient review uh, to warrant approval with all the conditions placed upon it by various city departments. And the applicant accepts those conditions and that there are no individuals who have registered to speak in opposition of the item. Um, the only item on the agenda now that I believe that we have taken off the consent is item number uh, 15. Are there any other items that the Planning Commission would like to remove the, from the consent? Uh, seeing none, I will proceed with the consent items. I will open the public hearing on all the consent items and then uh, read them in, in the agenda order. Item number nine is Legislar 44731. Uh, it's uh, creating a section of the Madison General Ordinance uh, to change the zoning of property located at uh, 604 South Point Road uh, from SR-V2 to TR-U1. And a related item is uh, item number 10, Legistar 44440. Uh, consideration of a conditional use for a residential building complex containing 274 apartments and five buildings and property addressed at 604 South Point Road. We have um, individuals that have um, indicated uh, support for this item. We have Randy Bruce. Uh, 7601 University Avenue in support, uh, the architect for the project, Greg Held, uh, 7601 University Avenue in support, available to answer questions, and John McKenzie, uh, 902 Hidden Cave Road, Madison, in support, uh, the developer, available to answer questions. Uh, the next item on the consent agenda is item number 11, um, Legislature 44732. It's a referral to the November 21st meeting. It's um, creating a section in the Madison General Ordinance to amend the Plan Unit Development District to approve an amend, amended general development plan of property located at 489 uh, Commerce Drive and to amend the plan development district to approve a specific implement, implementation plan. Um, 
Also, item number 12, Legistar 44733, is also referred to the November 21st Plan Commission meeting. It's creating a section of the Madison General Ordinance to amend the Plan Development District to approve an amended General Development Plan at property located at 8102 Watts Road. Item number 13 is Legistar 44590. It's creating a section of the Madison General Ordinance to change the zoning of property located at 2645 Union Street uh, from TR-C4 to TR-V-1. Do we have any registrants? No. Uh, the next item, we have no registrants for that item. The next item is item number 14, Legislature 44743, uh, creating section of the Madison General Ordinance uh, entitled City Boundaries. Um, being as part of the chapter of Aldermanic District and Wards. Um, and attachments which would attach the, is this the Badger Bowl property? Attaching the Badger Bowl property uh, to the city of Madison and zoning that property to CC Commercial Center District. Do we have any registrants? No. No registrants for that item. Item number 15 is um, Legislature 44183. Consideration of a major. Oh, okay. That one's off the consent. Sorry. Um, item number 16, uh, Legislature 44184, is a referral. Uh, consideration of a de uh, demolition permit and conditional use to allow the demolition of three uh, retail buildings and a restaurant and construction of a uh, mixed use building containing. 9,200 square feet of commercial space and 39 apartments at 1109 to 1123 we have no registrants for that item. Item number 18 is Legislature 44554, consideration of a demolition permit and conditional use to demolish a residence attached to a church and a portion of the existing University of Wisconsin Chemistry Building to allow construction of a, a of nine-story academic tower as part of the renovation of the chemistry building complex at 1101 dash to, to 1121 University Avenue. Uh, we do have some registrants for that item. Uh, Gary Brown uh, at 30 North Mill Street in support, available to answer questions. Aaron Williams, uh, 30 uh, North Mill Street in support, um, not wishing to speak with the UW of Madison, and Dale uh, Hale, uh, 6411 Mineral Point Road, Madison, in support, available to answer questions. Also, Robert McMannon at 6342 
Inner Drive Madison and supports uh, with the UW-Madison uh, Chemistry. Uh, Peter Hazlett. Hazlett at 2602 Chamberlain Avenue in support, available to answer questions, University of Wisconsin. And uh, John Moore, 1101 University Avenue in support, available to answer questions, University of Wisconsin Chemistry Department. The next item is item number 19, uh, Legislature 44. Five six four. It's a referral to the November 21st meeting. It's consideration of a demolition permit and conditional use to demolish an existing skilled nursing facility and construct a new skilled nursing and assisted living facility at 4325 Nakoma Road. Item number 20 is Legislator 44565. It's to place on file without prejudice. It's consideration of a conditional use in the suburban employment campus zoning to convert tenant space in an existing office building into space for Madison College at 8017 Excelsior Drive. Item number 21 is Legislature 44566. It's consideration of a conditional use for a vehicle access sales and service window in an existing uh, multi-tenant commercial building at 1401 Emil Street. We have um, one registrant, Amy Wildman uh, with Ideal Builders, Inc. at 1406 Emil Street in Madison uh, in support um, available to answer questions. Uh, item number 22 is Legislature 44567, consideration of a conditional use in uh, the in industrial limited zoning for a rock climbing uh, training facility at uh, 3118 Kingsley Way. Uh, no registrants on that item. Item number 23 is Legislature 44568, uh, consideration of a major alteration to an approved conditional use plan uh, multi-use site to allow the, a revised parking lot layout with an uh, entrance plaza, an outdoor seating area for a grocery store tenant at uh, the north side uh, town center at 2801 to 2921 North Sherman Avenue. Uh, we have two registrants, uh, Matt Aro. Uh, at 116 King Street in support, available to answer questions with the Willie Street Co-op. And eight, Anya First, Anya First uh, 2406 uh, Center Avenue, Madison, in support, available to answer questions. That is a consent agenda. Do we have a motion to, um, to approve the consent? Motion by Commissioner Rui and second by Commissioner Carter. All those in favor of, of approval of the consent agenda signify by saying aye. aye. All those opposed, motion carries. All of you individuals connected with consent items may 
leave unless you'd like to watch one additional item. I need a drink. (laughs) Okay. We will now proceed to the the remaining item on the agenda. And uh, that is item number uh, 15. That's Legislar 44183. uh, Consideration of a major alteration to an approved conditional use to allow construction of 11 uh, live work units and 32 multiple family dwellings along the East Mifflin Street side of the Galaxy mixed use development, uh, generally addressed at 810 East Washington Avenue. Uh, do we have a staff report? Mr. Park? Okay. Uh, I guess we'll just go directly to the applicant here. Um, let's see. We have two. I'll open the public hearing. We have two individuals uh, wishing to speak. Uh, Kyle uh, Dumbleston. Dumbleton. Dumbleton. At uh, 510 uh, West Edgewater Street in Portage, Wisconsin. Uh, would you like to give a brief presentation? Sure. So the major alteration for this project, which you've uh, seen before, is... Um, change in the unit mix. So previously we had uh, 45 units and we've decreased the number of overall units to 43. But in doing so, we um, changed the unit mix to eliminate all of the former studio type units and add as many two bedroom type units as possible. Try to appeal to more of a family centered uh, unit mix for the neighborhood. And then along with that, there were some exterior alterations uh, for the building um, from what was previously proposed. The overall massing and uh, character of the materials, the site plan with the large, um, I should say, the the mid-block crossing here as it's envisioned uh, to go from East Washington to East Mifflin is still there, connecting to Reynolds Field Park. but again, the, the, the major changes here were you know, largely to uh, the way that the exterior was designed. And okay. Um, do we have any questions for this registrant? Uh, yes, uh, Mr. Poliski. Thank you. Um, sir, I'm wondering why the architecture went from striking to mundane with change. Um, the previous previous plan that was uh, approved uh, was envisioned to be uh, utilized with some multi-story units and it was going to use a I guess a high performance curtain wall system that ultimately proved to be very costly to to execute and that uh, so we chose to use some of the other building elements that were used on the on the rest of the residential towers for the first and second phases and trying to trying to create as much interest with you know the 
the different materials and depths and, and tones to try to, you know, mimic, I think, what was previously approved, but um, it, it, we have received some mixed reviews, I think, on how that design has been carried forth. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Zellers. Um, one of the comments from uh, the Urban Design Commission was a concern about the uh, potential darkness of the drive um, aisle, and I'm just wondering um, what your perspective is on that and whether you're looking at adding any lighting to that, since there will be not only cars, presumably, but maybe pedestrians and bikers. Sure. So the, the drive aisle portion, we've got festival foods here, uh, you know, the parking structure, and the second phase uh, of the project along North Patterson Street. So the drive aisle connects from North Livingston through uh, across the pedestrian connection here, which will be kind of a raised tabletop, and there will be um, decorative paving that will continue all the way through to announce that it's a pedestrian crossing along the stop walks, uh, stop signs. And then you'll continue on past the parking structure here to North Patterson. So um, I think the areas that were brought up in the UDC that was probably the, the biggest area of concern, I think, was this, the stretch between North Livingston and probably the pedestrian crossing. Um, the parking structure is lit at, at night, so we do have a good deal of lighting there. I think we still are going to analyze that to make sure that it's, it's a safe traverse for vehicles and bicycles. But we're, what we're looking at here is adding some some bollards at the pedestrian plaza and also you know, the building corners and then analyzing what type of lighting emanates from the rear of the festival foods and try to um, enhance that with with signed lighting to make sure that this is a, a safe safe drive aisle here for so it sounds like that you're attempting to address that concern. Would you have a problem with a condition being added um, that um, there be adequate lighting in the drive aisle and maybe um, have the city staff uh, review that then for approval? I think that's reasonable. Okay, thank you. Uh, Commissioner Rui. Uh, thank you. Uh, could you show me uh, what you have for vision and, on the exit out onto Livingston Street? Can, you need to stay near the mic. Can you bring over your? Yeah. I'm sort of looking at the. I'm looking at the plan view. I'm. I'm, I'm not going to. Uh, so the exit. Here. Right. Um, so this would be there's an exit out of the exit out of stair here, and there would be an exterior uh, stoop and a graded walk to bring. What, what's that distance from, from the, the building to the walk? Five feet. I believe the city code uh, says ten feet. For this, uh, the setback, which I had confirmed with. Uh, Jenny Kiergetter was uh, a five, with who? 
Uh, Jenny Kiergetter, the zoning. This is traffic. This is a traffic issue. Uh, tra uh, city traffic should approve that. Uh, we there is a uh, a ten foot um, vision triangle there. It has to be ten from the sidewalk, not from the street. Uh, where I was, I, when I would, had talked to uh, traffic engineering, um, they advised that it was from the, the property line. That is, that's the sidewalk. Do you have 10 feet? You just told me you had five. It's five to, to the walk. Um, that is the property line. I'm, the, it's five foot to the walk where the, um, and then it's another, Five feet from there. The property line uh, includes the sidewalk. The city property is also the sidewalk. Okay. I think I think that's something I'll probably have to take a look at then further. I, 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 I can't approve this if you don't have the proper revision at that corner. That's something that could be made a condition of the approval that we meet that by alternative. Yeah, I, could, I could do that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Carter. I think Lindell addressed my issue. Sorry, I should have turned off my light. It was the darkness on that. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Okay. Any other questions for this uh, uh, registrant? Uh, seeing none. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the next individual that has um, uh, provided Okay. Uh, we have Lee Christensen, uh, 222 North Street, in support uh, with Gibhart Development available to answer questions. And Lee was actually called away to leave. Okay. Okay. Uh, so that looks like the last of our registrants. Um, I will now close the public hearing. And um, are there any questions of uh, staff? Uh, seeing none, do we have a motion? Oh, sorry, we do have questions here. Um, Commissioner Zellers. Um, yeah, I just wanted to check in with staff to see if the two conditions that have been mentioned uh, create any issues or if that uh, seems like appropriate uh, conditions that we could move forward with. Uh, Mr. Parks. Regarding the lighting condition, uh, final approval of a lighting plan by the Urban Design Commission, whose province would, that would usually fall under with staff review would be appropriate. Okay. Uh, and regarding the vision triangle issue that I believe Mr. Rui was pointing out, uh, there were no comments to that effect made by traffic engineering. That would be the party that would usually uh, make those uh, comments and conditions if necessary. Uh, it hasn't come up in any discussions with them, and I don't recall, and perhaps Ms. Stouter can clarify whether that was a concern with the earlier approvals for these buildings, which are at approximately the same location as they were when the project was first approved, uh, but they're uh, simply modifying primarily the exterior appearance, not placement, and interior layout. So. Uh, I don't believe that it's a concern that traffic engineering has, but uh, we can follow up with them if need be. I think if, you know, appropriate wording on the second condition could be that staff from traffic engineering 
reviews the, the proposed project for um, adequacy with regard to vision triangles. I think that would probably be the most appropriate rather than advocating for a specific change, which they haven't asked for. Um, then if it is a, an appropriate time, um, I would like to move approval with those two um, additional conditions. Uh, Mr. Mr. I'll second that, but I'd like to make a comment. Okay. Uh, I, I know Mr. Perk said the traffic engineering did not mention it, but by ordinance it does say 10 by 10 for uh, that interrelationship. And I believe that both exits, I'm not saying the entrances, should have that 10 by 10 vision at, at Patterson and at Livingston. Uh, and that's per ordinance. Just because they didn't mention it uh, doesn't mean it shouldn't be enforced because it's in the ordinance. Uh, so I just want to make that comment. Okay. Exit only entrance is not an issue. It's when you exit. Okay. Uh, with those two uh, conditions added to the uh, staff's report, um, do we have any other speakers? Okay. Uh, if not, all those in favor? Uh, of the motion to approve? All those opposed? Motion carries. Uh, the next item of business is business by members. Do we have any business by members? Uh, seeing none. Uh, the secretary's report. Right, so for the November 21st meeting, I'll just go over a few highlights that we expect at that meeting. Um, first of all, at 1004 to 1032 South Park Street, an amended plan development GDP SIP um, should be back before you for a project that had formerly been approved for Terrence Wall um, at the Wingra Point. Also after that, uh, 119 to 125 North Butler Street and 120 to 124 North Hancock Street a proposed demolition and conditional use for the demolition of two, a two-family residence and a four-unit apartment building and construction of a new 52-unit residential building. Um, and then there will be three zoning text amendments, including uh, one focused on changes to the usable open space requirements, one creating a new uh, district that would allow for, for mineral extraction within the city, and the third, uh, allowing storage lockers in the mixed-use and commercial districts, employment districts, and the downtown districts. Those are the highlights for the November, November 21st meeting. And then coming up on December 12th, we'll have the Cosmos and Spark project on the 800 block of East Washington Avenue. Um, two different conditional uses for construction of eight-story buildings to include um, office space associated with American Family Insurance and um, also uh, the, the Frank Productions music venue. So those two will be coming to you together, but as two separate applications. Uh, we'll also have on December 12th, 6509 Normandy Lane, a conditional use request to construct a mixed use building with, uh, with apartments um, and that I think the, the dwelling unit count is, is changing on that so we'll, we'll be back before you with some revised plans prior to December 12th on that one. And those are the highlights for the 12th. Um, that agenda will be filling out a little bit beyond what you see here based on very recent uh, submittals that, that we've received. And so the 12th will, will likely be a, a fairly busy evening for us. 
Great. Uh, any announcements by members? Uh, yeah. Uh, seeing none, is, uh, do we have a motion to adjourn? Mo- motion by Commissioner King with a second by Commissioner Rui. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Those opposed, motion carries.